From the moment we took our first steps, we've been on the go. It didn't take us long to catch on to the rhythms and patterns of this world. We've become busy, too busy, and we're tired, too tired, each day bleeding into the next week, month, and year. And yet we never slow down. But what if we did? What if we believe the sacred text, the Word of God, is actually alive and active in our lives? What would we begin to see? What would we hear? What if life wasn't so much about a destination, but a journey? What will your journey look like? Let's find out. James, a long walk of obedience. And when you have a long walk of obedience, sometimes life gets hard. And so we want to start by studying the first 12 verses of chapter 1 with when life gets hard along the long walk of obedience. Now, the Bible here is going to talk about trials. And it doesn't necessarily mean legal trials, even though the persecuted church in different parts of the world and in the recipients of this letter from James would have faced actual legal trials. But when the Bible talks about trials, it's talking about here um, uh, troubles or challenges or difficulties. And there are three things that are true about trials. Uh, First of all, they are inevitable. Um, Believe it or not, this is a true story. Uh, Teenager Matthew Boya decided to practice his golf swing on a field next to him, an air base, uh, next to an air base in the country of Benin, Africa. He took one swing and sliced his shot way off to his right. The golf ball struck a low-flying seagull and knocked it unconscious. As the seagull started to fall toward the ground, it slammed into the windshield of a trainer jet that was taxing into position for takeoff. The impact of the bird caused the pilot to lose control of his aircraft, which then plowed into four shiny Mirage jets that were parked along the runway. The trainer jet and the Mirage jets were all greatly damaged or destroyed. Unfortunately, the entire Air Force of Benin, Africa, consisted of that trainer and those four Mirage jets. Matthew Boya did over $40 million worth of damage, and that was in 1987 dollars. Now, how many of you golf? Let me, let me see your hands. You have never had a slice that bad, all right? No matter how bad it gets, you didn't wipe out an entire country's uh, air force. So troubles are inevitable. James 1, verses 1 and 2. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. We said last Sunday that James was not a follower of Jesus, didn't believe in his brother. He's the brother of Jesus, didn't believe in Jesus until the resurrection. Then when he saw his brother resurrected from the dead, he became not only a Christ follower, he also uh, became pastor of the church of Jerusalem. 
to the 12 tribes scattered among the nations, greetings. Now, the 12 tribes scattered, that means Jewish Christians. And the history tells us that after the first uh, martyr was uh, done uh, by Stephen, he died, he was executed for following after Jesus. After his execution, after his stoning, uh, they were scattered. Christians were scattered. Jewish Christians were scattered all through the Greco-Roman world, all through the Roman Empire. And so he's writing a circular letter to these 12 tribes, to the Christians that were Jewish, scattered among the nations, greetings. Then here's the theme verse for the morning. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters. Now, uh, what were some of the things you said? What did the people say around you about pure joy? Somebody said to me, sleep. Uh, what, what else? What else is pure joy? What is it for you? Tell me. What's that? Grandkids, yes, I was thinking about that. Grandkids, awesome. Okay, what else is pure joy? Mountains, okay, your mountains, what else? What's that? Chocolate is pure joy. Now, did anybody say pure joy is whenever you face trials of many kinds? That's the super spiritual person who read ahead, okay? That's that person. But we normally don't think of those things. We think of, you know, well, we said the Green Bay Packers winning the Super Bowl. That's what we agreed on. That would be uh, pure joy. We think of those kind of things. We don't think about, but he says, consider pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever, he doesn't say if, he says whenever, they're inevitable, you face trials of many kinds. Now, uh, this word many in the original Greek, uh, James was written in the Greek language. It comes from the Greek word poikolos, from which we get our word polka dotted. Your life will be polka dotted with trouble, different sizes, different shapes, different colors. How many of you, that describes your life, okay? It is polka dotted with many kinds of trials, and somehow he wants to teach us to have a change, a paradigm shift in our perspective, so we will consider those, uh, by the end of our study, to be pure joy. Okay, so let me give you an example of this, because as I look across this church family, I want you to know I'm humbled because I'm going to preach on this this morning, but you guys are living it. And I see so many people that have suffered so much more than me, that have faced so much more trouble uh, than me. And, 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 I, and I want you to know I'm humbled by the fact that you aren't just studying about it. You aren't just teaching on it. You are actually living it. Your life is a picture of James 1 uh, verse 2. Let me give you one example. Here's a picture of Margot and Derek Medina. And uh, they started coming to our church a couple of months ago in February. And Margot was baptized at the Fairplex uh, last Sunday. Uh, she's a young mom with young children. And you wouldn't know it by looking at the joy on her face, but she's fighting stage four cancer. And she's in the hospital today. She felt well enough to be there to be baptized last Sunday. But now she's in the hospital, and, and you know, Margo, if you're watching this online, we love you. Your church family is praying for you, and, and you are my hero, because you could just see in her eyes, consider it pure joy, even in the midst of this kind of battle of fighting stage four uh, cancer as a young mom with young children. So I know she has her ups and downs. I know she has down days as well as up days. But you know what? When we change our perspective on these trials, God can give us not necessarily happiness, which is dependent upon external circumstances, but he gives us pure joy uh, from within. And so first of all, James says they are inevitable. Secondly, they have a purpose. Uh, verse 3 tells us that purpose. It says, because you know that the testing of your faith 
produces perseverance. Now, the word in our translation is perseverance. In the old King James translation, it is patience. Neither of these do justice to the original Greek word, which is hypomen. And hypomen in the Greek means to stand firm against a storm, to lean into a hurricane. That's what hypomen, that is translated here as perseverance, means. To lean into a storm, to, to stand firm against a, a hurricane. And if you do that, you will develop spiritual muscles or hypomen or this character trait called per- perseverance. Um, where I work out um, at, at the gym and uh, I work out with many other people from our church family go to this particular place where I work out. And, and uh, two of the others that work there, Pastor Jarrett, who is just up here leading worship, and a fire captain, a young fire captain named Brett Dickerson, who along with his wife Amy, they attend the 1111 service. And Pastor Jarrett has a nickname for Brett. He calls him Hercules. And if you were to see him, he is indeed Hercules. I mean, oh my goodness, just so chiseled. And, and I have had the exact opposite response to my training there, okay? So Pastor Jarrett's nickname for me is Wimpy Boy or Wimpy Pastor, and for him it's Hercules. And when we're working out at the same time, it's just an embarrassment. You know, I make sure I'm on the other side of the weight room that he's working out of there and not over there. Now, what is the difference in the results we've gotten from our, quote, weightlifting? Hercules lifts more weight than I do, okay? And I've told you before, my nickname is Squeaky because when, when he lifts the weights, they go, when I lift the weights, they go, he goes on a little weight going up. Okay, so he, he lifts more than I do and he lifts more regularly than I do. He goes there more than I do, so he lifts weights more regularly and he lifts more weight. And so the more you stand against that weight, the better results you will get. And that's what James is talking about here. When you lean into the hurricane, when you lean into the storm, you develop spiritual Hercules muscles, a hypomen or perseverance. So they're inevitable, they have a purpose, and thirdly, they put things into perspective. Let's watch this together. If you read in the Bible the story of Joseph and David, you will find me there. My story is their story. My name is John Mark. I'm 17 years old. This is the village where I grew up, in Haiti. Most of the people here are poor. There aren't many opportunities for the uneducated. My mom was very gentle and generous. Her dream was for me to get an education, to not have the same life that she had. But going to school costs money. She would go around with guys, doing bad things with them to get money, so I can eat. One day, she stole something from someone. The people tied her to a post and beat her. I cried for them to stop, but they just laughed at me. All of these things happening because of me, 
so that I might have a better life. A few months later, my mom got very sick, and on Christmas Eve in 2006, she died in a hospital. I didn't even find out until six days later. After her death, I was alone. I was 10 years old. I was so hungry, and I was like, Lord, I know you fit 5,000 people. I am only one person, why can't I get fit? And then, God provided. I've been at Mission of Hope for eight years now. When I first woke up here, I thought I was dreaming. You were sleeping in the mud. Now you get bed, you have shower, food. I couldn't believe it. Totally couldn't believe it. Now you and the family. I never thought I would have an education, but God is giving me one here. It's paid for by people I don't know. They sponsor me to go to school. I like math and physics the best. If I wasn't in school, I would not have a future. I'm learning so much that I want to share with others too. So I tutor. If somebody comes to me and tells me he's hopeless, I will understand because I've been through it. If I don't take what God has given me and use it to help others, who will? If my mom were here, I think she would cry and be proud to know that all her dreams are coming true for me. I like the story in the Bible of Joseph and David. Both of these men had great difficulties, just like I did, but God was with them always. Maybe the bad things in your life happen so that you can become strong. It is from the struggles that we grow. It is from the struggles that we grow. Maybe the bad things in our life happen so that we can grow strong. So they're inevitable, but they have a purpose behind them, and they put things into perspective. Uh, Verse 9 Uh, says this, believers in humble circumstances ought to take pride in their high position. So if you are being beaten down by life here this morning, take pride in your high position that you have royal blood flowing through your veins. You are a child of the king, a daughter of the king. You are in Christ. And even though your circumstances might be beaten down and humble, take pride in your high position. On the other hand, for those believers that are rich, it says in verse 10, the rich And really, those of us in America, all of us could be included in that compared to what we just saw. The rich should take pride in their humiliation. 
troubles help us to stay, have a perspective, to stay in touch with eternity since they will pass away like a wildflower. Uh, verse 11, for the sun rises with scorching heat and withers the plant. Its blossom falls and its beauty is destroyed in the same way the rich will fade away even while they go about their business. It's a reminder that we're going to die someday and that after that there's going to be eternity, heaven or hell. And that's the benefit of trouble. You can go through your whole life and if you never have any trouble, we'll never think about eternity. And trouble reminds us that this life will soon come to an end and we need to be prepared for eternity. If we were to pass a microphone around this morning, I imagine a lot of you would say, you know what? A lot of us would say, hey, we came to Christ through times of trouble. As a matter of fact, how many of you would raise your hand and say that was the case for you? It was, it was through a tough time. I wish it was through the good times that we drew closer to God, but we don't. Trouble puts things into perspectives. It reminds us to be prepared uh, for eternity. The only way is through hard times. I don't know how many of you saw online uh, April, the giraffe who gave birth to the baby giraffe. Anybody uh, see that there? Okay, uh, it is set, I think, uh, a, not a record. It was the second most views, uh, YouTube views in history. 232 million live views of this giraffe, April, uh, having a, a baby giraffe. Actually, it, it happened at an animal farm not too far from Homer, New York, where I used to pastor, and you hear me talk about that a lot. And it was a beautiful thing. But if it's out in the wild, it is not so beautiful a thing out in the wild. Okay, think about this poor baby giraffe. First of all, it starts its life with an eight-foot drop, okay? It comes out, bam, okay. So you're all nice and secure in your mother's womb, and it's all cozy, and you've been happy there, and all of a sudden, boom, eight-foot drop. It gets worse. Once they hit the ground, the mother starts kicking them over and over again. So you drop, eight foot drop, now your mother starts kicking you until you stand up. It gets even worse. Once you finally stand up, your mother kicks you down until you stand up again and keeps kicking you until, you, first you're down, then kicks you until you get back up again, then knocks you down again, kicks you till you get up again and again. So you start life with an eight foot drop and your mother repeatedly kicking you over and over again. That's how life starts. Now, why does the mother do that? Because of two L's, love and lions. She loves her baby, so she wants him to learn how to get up and run when the lions come and the herd needs to run. So, so it's out of love that she knocks him down. It's out of love that she does that. And, and the reason she does it over and over again is, first of all, to teach her baby how to stand, and then secondly, how to help him remember how to stand. Because these little tiny giraffe brains, all right, could forget how to do it. And so she gets him up, learn how to stand, knocks him down so he can learn how to stand again and again until finally it sticks and he'll remember it for the rest of his life. Now, this isn't necessarily in the Bible, but it's just an observation in life. Isn't it interesting how trouble tends to come in groups? How many of you tend to find trouble comes multiples? Okay, two or three things at a time. Now, if it were up to me, I would say, God, here's how I would like to do it. Trouble, wait five years. Trouble, you know, financial reversal, lose your job. Wait five years, trouble with one of the children. Go for another five years, and then a health difficulty or something like that. How many of you would prefer if God did it that way? But how many of you find that trouble tends to come two or three times? 
two or three things at a time. And I wonder if it's like the baby, the mother giraffe with the baby giraffe. Because when we get knocked down and with God's help we look to him and we stand up again. And we get knocked down again and we do it again. And we get knocked down again. We finally remember how to get back up on our feet again. How to be hypermen. How to stand in the midst of the hurricane. Stand against the storm. And maybe we do it multiple times so that we'll not only learn how to stand with God's help, but we'll remember how to do it again and again as we go through this long walk of obedience and when life gets hard. Three steps to having victory over trials. Uh, First of all, uh, consider is our first word. Verse two, back to James one, verse two. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. So it's a change of attitude uh, towards our trouble. Then the next word is know in verse three. Uh, Know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Boy, that makes all the difference in the world. I can't imagine going, trouble is hard enough as a follower of Christ and having God in my life. But I can't imagine what trouble would be like If I literally thought I was just a random group of cells experiencing random chance. I'm just a few human cells that happen to get themselves together and organized. And then I go through life for a brief amount of time. And then I die and turn into the dirt once again. Uh, Random cells experiencing random chance. And if there was no purpose in my suffering, how hard that would be. The only thing harder than suffering is suffering without purpose behind it. I mean, when you suffer in the gym lifting weights or when you work out or you run or when you suffer uh, through a class that you need to do to graduate, it always has a purpose behind the suffering, and so it's manageable. But can you imagine suffering without any purpose or meaning behind it? But the beautiful thing, one of the thousand reasons for following Jesus is there now becomes a purpose behind our suffering. It doesn't mean we suffer any less than anybody else, but now there's a reason, a purpose behind it. And then the third word is let. Verse four, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Uh, Cooperating with God during the time of trouble. Uh, Can I tell you what my prayer life is like whenever I'm in trouble? God, get me out of trouble, 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 get me out of trouble. That's the, the substance of my prayer life. And there's nothing wrong with that. God loves to rescue us from trouble. So that's awesome. Keep doing that. But in the midst of that, include another prayer. Lord, what do you want to teach me through this time of trouble? God, God, what do you want me to learn? How can I cooperate with you and learn something? Because I don't want to do this again. I don't want to go back and have to relearn this lesson. I'd like to learn it the first time. Lord, along with get me out of trouble, which is a great prayer, I want to pray, oh God, would, would you teach me what you want me to learn? If you're a, a teacher here, you probably can identify with this. There are two types of students. Uh, those that cooperate with their teacher and learn the most they can, and those that are always fighting against their teacher, and they don't learn all that they can. Uh, two types of athletes, those that uh, don't, don't cooperate with their coaches, always fighting against their coaches, and those that cooperate with their coaches so they become better athletes. Um, two types of musicians, those that fight against their conductor and those that cooperate with their conductor so they can do the best they can musically. And there are two types of Christians, those that are always bitter against God. God, why am I going through this? Oh, life is so hard. Oh, God, why why am I going through this? And then those that cooperate with God and say, Lord, uh, as long as I'm in this trouble, I might as well learn. And and maybe I need a, a greater sensitivity to other people that are hurting. 
Lord, maybe I need to learn something. Maybe I need to just get better in touch with eternity so I don't fall in love with this life too much, but I fall in love with eternity, not with just the temporary things of this life. I want to let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Now, two reasons why trials often defeat us. Number one, because of a lack of wisdom. Uh, Verse five, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. Two questions ask God in the middle of your trouble. Lord, what do you want me to learn from this time? And secondly, how do you want me to handle myself during this time? What and how? What should I learn, and how do you want me to handle myself? And then a second thing is because of a lack of faith. It says in verses six uh, through eight, But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. Now, here's good news. You don't have to have perfect faith. You don't have to say, oh, no, I've got to have perfect faith. No, no. Mark chapter 9 is one of my favorite stories in the Bible where a father brings his little boy to Jesus and says, Jesus, will you heal him? And Jesus says, I will if you believe. And the father said, Lord, I believe. Help me with my unbelief. I love that. Because Jesus didn't say, come back tomorrow when you've worked up perfect belief. He says, no, 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 I can work with that. It's a conviction where you expect God to do something. When you ask, you must believe, not perfect belief, but you must have a conviction and not a doubt that God can work through this situation. Because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. Uh, Verse 7, that person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. But verse 8, such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. Double-minded. That means holding on to God's will and my will at the same time. Wanting to do things my way and God's way at the same time. That's what it means when the Bible talks about double-minded. Rather than releasing my will uh, to the will of God, uh, to be double-minded means I hold on with one fist to my will and hold on with the other fist uh, to God's will. It's a conviction that God knows what he's doing and to submit my will Uh, to his will, rather than holding on uh, to dear life to my own will. Let me give you an illustration of what I'm talking about. Here's how you get a pet uh, baboon if you're out in the wild, okay? Uh, What you do is you dig a hole in a big anthill, and you do it in the presence of the baboon, because baboons are incredibly curious. They, They have high curiosity. And so you dig this hole, and you put in some melon uh, seeds, okay, some wild melon seeds, and then you saunter away. Now, the baboon is nervous about you because, you know, he's a little bit uptight, but he has an unbelievable curiosity. He's just staring at that hole, saying, I wonder what's in the hole. What did he put there? And finally, Mr. Curiosity just can't stand it anymore. And there he goes, and he goes to check it out. And he puts his hand in to see what it is, grabs the, the seeds, the wild melon seeds, and refuses to let go. That baboon can be loose anytime he wants to. He, he's going crazy, but he doesn't have to be there. He can, he can go. He just can't bring himself to do that. And now the man comes over, and he's got himself a pet baboon. That is exactly like the Christian life, okay? That's like the Christian life. That I, I grab a hold. I, I want my will. And God comes and says, just release your will to my will. And when you do that, 
you can have his purpose fulfilled in your life. And yet we hold on to it even when it enslaves us. As we were just singing about, break every chain. Even when it puts us in chains, we still hold on uh, for dear life. Two results of applying these spiritual principles in verse 12. First of all is genuine happiness. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial. Okay, um, th- this is the, not based on externals, happiness that goes up and down. It's based on internal joy. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial. Because having stood the test, now this word, phrase here, translated stood the test, is from the Greek word dokamos, which means it's the same word used for testing of precious metals or precious coins. Because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life. Now, sometimes this means a kingly crown. But usually in the Bible, it means the, the, the victor's wreath. Okay, we sang the victor's crown or having the victory uh, by following our resurrected Jesus. That was one of the earlier praise songs we have. The crown of life. And it was a wreath woven from laurel, a laurel wreath, or um, um, a, a celery wreath. Even sometimes it would be made of celery or of oak. It would be woven for the victor's wreath, for the victor in the Olympic Games. And so he will give you the, the wreath, the victor's wreath for having run the race, the long walk of obedience, having run the race well, you'll receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those that love him. Now, as the praise band comes up for some closing worship, here's the most important part of our study. Okay, this is by far the most important thing uh, that I want to say. And, and that is, I really want you as your pastor to get three dimensions uh, out of this uh, study. I really want it because it functions on three dimensions. First of all is the Sunday morning teaching. And so I hope you'll be here uh, for the Sunday morning teaching, that you'll be here Sunday by Sunday by Sunday. Uh, I really hope as we work our way verse by verse uh, through the book of James. The second part is to study day by day from the book of James. And out in the lobby, uh, and when you finish here, I invite you to head out in the lobby. There's a beautiful display out there. And Pastor Greg and Pastor Adrian and Chanel, they have put together this, this wonderful book that will be a day-by-day study where you can study with the series. Sometimes it doesn't always perfectly sync up with the sermon series, but it syncs up together, and and, uh, roughly it does, and you can be studying week by week through this booklet, this beautiful booklet that we've provided for you, we've made for you, created for you, that you can follow along uh, with it. And it's available for a $10 donation, but please, as we say about everything, don't worry about the money. We just want everybody to have this. So, so don't worry. If you don't have the money or you only got a buck to kick in, if you got the money, kick it in. It'll help us out to buy more books. But please, we want everybody to have this, this booklet. And so you, you take this and you study it week by week. And then what I encourage you to do is there's a card right in front of you that looks just like this. And if you could pull it out of the book rack, and we would love to have you be part of a James Small group. Uh, during the next few weeks. It's limited in your duration. You're not stuck forever. It's a group that you form, uh, and, you, and it'll be done by the summertime. Uh, as we approach summer, it'll be done with it. But boy, I would just love it if everybody were functioning on all three cylinders. The teaching on Sunday morning, the book that you're studying and reading day by day through the book of James, and uh, take this card uh, right out uh, to the James display, get a hold of your book, and turn this in, and there are all kinds of different small groups. They're based on um, you know, where you want to do it, or when during the week, or during your uh, situation in life, and we just believe something special happens when you're worshiping God in rows, as we have done here this morning. 
But something also special happens when you get in from rows into circles. And we begin to get into circles. We step into circles. And that's where we experience community. And that's where uh, we uh, experience uh, life together and being better uh, together. So as your pastor, I really encourage you that when we're done with worship, that you go out and you get a hold of this book and read it day by day as we go through the series, here Sunday by Sunday, and then get involved in a group uh, as well. And I encourage you just to check that out in, in the lobby uh, as you leave in a few minutes after worship.